My name is Olga Kasim, but my maiden name is Armstrong. In 1958, I came to London. Where was I born? I was born in Georgetown, Guyana, but I didn't actually grow up in Georgetown. I grew up in the country in this place called Friedenhoop, which is on the west bank of the Demerara River. The Demerara River is the river that separates Georgetown from the bank. It's a country area with trees all around you. My dad was superintendent of police. We grew up in, in the Friedenhoop police station. We we lived in the house. I remember it was a huge house. You went up the stairs and then it was above the station. That's where we lived because I remember often we had to be quiet. My mother had pigs. You know, the, the big English pigs. I don't know where she got them from. Halfway down, there was a huge pigsty and all the turkeys and geese and the, they're sort of, they were in what they call the yard and you could hear them. And I grew up in this house with five siblings and I was number four of the six. I, I went to school there just from the prep school. And then after that, I went to school in Georgetown because that's where the, what they called high schools, that's where the high schools were. And I went to school by ferry. So that was another exciting thing. I had to get my ferry from the, it was called the Vredenhoop Station. The parents or people who worked didn't sit anywhere near us because we were all very noisy. <laughs> Describe Vredenhoop. It just contained one road, one main road that led to different country areas. What's my biggest memory of Vredenhoop? I get all the neighbours' kids in the school holidays and I used to say, right, okay, it's lessons today. And then I'd go through what they needed to learn. Some of them were so young, they looked at me as if they didn't know what I was talking about. And then I said, now you have to do some writing and you write your alphabet. And this is how you write your alphabet. How old I would have been about 10 or 11. Not that old at the time, but because they were smaller, they could see me as a teacher, I suppose. And I did that every hot The parents liked it because, of course, the kids were out of their way and they, they used to come to me. I don't know if my mum liked it that much because they used to be in the living room. <laughs> but my parents also used to what they call feeding the poor. My dad, as a policeman, he would know all these people who were poor and who were wandering the streets and nowhere to go. And I think that's why we ended up with so many um, dogs and cats and ducks, because they used to bring that as a gift. And then they used to get um, somebody to come in and do all the cooking. And it, they used the best room in the house and the people would come in and they would have a meal and they would sit down and chat. And that was done several times a year. My biggest memory of Freedom Hoop was cars going through it all the time it was constant because of the ferry the ferry was there and you could hear the cars going through it but my loveliest memory was where we lived where we lived um you see at the back this would be the back garden and the back garden went right on to like a stream and if you did anything naughty 
you could go and hide right to the back and your mum wouldn't know where you are. You could hear her calling, oh, girl, where is she? Where is she? And I'd be hiding behind one of the trees or right down because it, it, it went on for miles and miles and miles down. Another thing is somewhere called the seawall. The seawall in Georgetown is the most beautiful place. On a Sunday, that's where your parents used to take you for a walk on the seawall. And there was these like sun houses. You could sit around there and have a chat if it got too hot or walk along the sea. And my mom used to say, don't go around because the tide will come in and you won't be able to get back. And you had to wait until it pushed out to jump back really quickly. And, and often they were like alligators and things like that there. <laughs> yeah, because I remember um, my school was um, near this seawall place. And I remember an alligator sort of coming on the land and uh, the teacher saying to us, don't go out there because there's an alligator there. Yeah. What was Guyana like when I left it? Very heavy British influence. And um, there were quite a few English people there because you, you knew there were. Um, there was a British governor there. He ran parliament the, and there was a government house, um, a huge house. So had, they had all the things that you have here and they had brownies and scouts and guides. I was a brownie and, and a guide. Everything, the education was exactly, we did all the exams we did. Cambridge Certificate of Education. Because when I arrived here and the maths that they were doing for um, the A-levels, I thought, well, I've done all this. And the sciences, it, I didn't find anything difficult. In Guyana, there was six races. The races are black and they came from mostly the East Coast where, where my dad came from, this place called Burbese. Now, if you listen to my dad speak, and if you went there, you wouldn't understand because it sounded more like African. So I think that the Africans settled in that part of the world, but then they started moving around. So they were the blacks. There were Asians who came from India and a lot of them lived around the area. They're the ones that did all the planting of things because our next door neighbor on either side were Asians. And you hear them speak, they've got the accent, which is a different way. And they, they used to do all the gardening and send you vegetables. You know, boy, come here and take some vegetables for your mom. <laughs> then there was the Chinese. The school I went to, the um, owner of the school was a Chinese man called Mr. Locke. And I was friends with his daughter. And, you know, you're friends and you don't even realize different races. And he, the deputy was Chinese as well. So, but he had different races as teachers. So then they're the Aboriginal Indians, the ones who live in what they call the interior. It's called the Northwest District. And I remember once we had one girl living with us who came from the Northwest District. Um, because my dad, because uh, he was in the police force, he was up there once and he was a bit concerned at the way she was being treated. And so you could take these girls and she came to live with us and she used to live with us and 
you know, in the shared our bedrooms and everything. Then there was white that came from England and quite a lot of them settled there, quite a lot. Why, why do you stay here rather than going back in? And no, we love it here because life is so different. Can you imagine? You've got servants, you've got everything being done for you. You've got this beautiful, I mean, that beautiful two-storied houses and they really love the hot weather. To see them, they absolutely love the hot weather. <laughs> and I knew why. Because <laughs> you come here and say, oh, it's so cold in the winter. Portuguese are the one um, who, they must have come from Portugal originally. Uh, so we didn't consider them like the white British. They were Portuguese and you knew they were Portuguese from there. They had dark eyes and they were dark hair. Whereas the white British had like fair hair and, and eyes and everything, yeah. The Portuguese owned like the... Um, the places where you sell liquor, liquor, rum and things like that. So they, they were owned by the Portuguese. The Chinese were like the mostly the restaurants. They had lots of Chinese restaurants. But like I said, the school I went to was Chinese. Um, the, the English accepted that they ran things and that was it. Uh, the, the blacks were mostly working in on people's farms and music. Georgetown is quite pretty actually. There's a lovely market place with a huge clock tower and the clock tower used to tell me when I was late going or late coming back. So <laughs> in actual fact I left school in 1956 when I'd already done my A-level. I, I was what 18 then and took a job with the government um, just working um, in an office. But I knew that's not what I wanted to do, but that kept me out of mischief. So it's working, yeah. I came to London because I thought I would understand it better than the USA. I didn't like what I read about what was happening in America. And I thought here the, the people would be a lot friendlier and things would be easier for me. It wasn't always like that, though. Was I expecting anything before I arrived? Was I expecting anything? Um, I left there because I came to study, to study science, due to the fact that my parents wanted me to be a doctor. But doctor I didn't want to be. I wanted to be a teacher, and that's what I became. I expected a high life, like things would be um like I left in Guyana that I would um not have to do any work, housework that I would have a lot of money because it was London um that I would live um a life that I wouldn't have to worry about anything at all that I wouldn't have any worries <laughs> tell me about the journey it was a really exciting day. My dad said goodbye to me at the door. He said, I'm sorry, I, I can't, I can't come. And he said goodbye to me. And you'd think he's really tough. Look how big he is. I was the one that always sat on his knee. This would have been like a week before, the, like the weekend before. It was this, this farewell party for me. It was 
all rock and roll and dancing and eating and you know we had lots and lots of fun together my mum would have because she she did all the cooking so she would have done all the the sort of like patties what they call patties which are like little tarts with meat in or little tarts um, or pine tart with pineapple and she would do because we had all these races she would do Chinese chow mein Indian curry with roti so it would all be on the table and you just help yourself to whatever you want yeah I think I booked the flight because I was quite independent so I think I booked the flight. It was actually, this wasn't a flight straight from, from Guyana to here. I wanted to travel by um, ship because I wanted to see different places. I had this idea that I would see different places on the ship, but it didn't happen like that because the flight was from Georgetown to Trinidad. And then because I was at, 20 was underage then. I was met by somebody who was British. They they met all the youngsters who were traveling on their own. And, you know, you thought, oh, I'll get away with this. No, they just, all the British people, they sort of had your name. And then we went from Trinidad to Barbados. It was just beautiful. The scenery was absolutely amazing all the way. I remember the the road trips. Trinidad, Barbados, Martinique, Guadeloupe. And, and the, the last place is Puerto Rico. And that's where I got the ship because I could remember this huge heavy bag. And then some of the sailors came and helped us with the bags. It was huge, this huge ship, the SS Antilles. Did I travel here with anyone? I was with this one girl who I didn't know. And she was coming here to marry somebody because they'd arranged it that she didn't even know. And she was only my age as well. And I thought, oh, getting married at 20 <laughs> to somebody you don't know. We weren't in first class. We were in the middle. And this girl and I, I remember we used to always go up to the top because we wanted to see the sea from there. You know, as the, as the boat was going, you could see the sea. But it was quite nice sharing with they they put together the people of the same ages. It was two weeks to cross from at that time from Puerto Rico to Vigo in Spain. We went on to Portsmouth and another British group of people took us all on the on the train at Portsmouth and we went from there to Paddington. And I remember writing home and telling my parents how beautiful England was because the countryside is absolutely gorgeous. I remember the girl and I being so excited going from one side to the train to the next to to see all the different areas. It, it, we thought it was absolutely beautiful and when we got to Paddington they came and they stayed with us until somebody claimed us and it was this lady who I think because I called her Aunt Vida, so she must she was must have been my nanny when I was little. And I, I was coming to her, but the strange thing is she was always cross with me, and that really I didn't like that very much. So I moved away from her 
Also, she didn't have a bathroom in her. It was one of those places where you didn't have a bathroom. You had to go to a bath, it was called, which was up the road from where I live. So can you imagine every morning going to this bath place? It was in North London. And so there was another family and she said, why don't you come and live with, with us? Which I did. I went and lived with this family, a husband, a wife and a little girl. And uh, the little girl I often spent a lot of time with, yeah. yeah so that was, that was okay, until the husband turned a bit peculiar one day. I didn't understand what was going on because you're brought up in such a way in Guyana. And he was trying to touch me, but in a way that wasn't nice. And I thought, this isn't very good. So I wrote to my mom. And she said, no, get out of there quickly so she would understand what was going on. Can I remember my first few days or weeks in London? I sort of remember because what I used to do is I used to wander around the streets and get lost. I got lost quite a few times because I didn't know the way back home and I often have to ask people. And like I'd be quite near the house where I lived, but I used to forget where the house was but I wandered around just so that I could get to know the place because the college I went to was not far from where I lived I could walk to college but I sort of used to practice walking to the college I don't think it the lessons had started yet so it was sort of round about early September. Did I have any English before I arrived? My mom she might have come from a posh if I think about it now, I think she did because her dad owned two houses. We had to speak perfect English. She listened to the BBC. That, that's what we had to listen to as well. We had to listen to the BBC to learn how to speak properly. The boys spoke patwa, and I know they did when they were with their friends. And I say, I'm telling. <laughs> so my mum, her idea of us being properly educated and they paid for all our education was she'd say this to me you have to have this because you haven't got this this is the brains because you haven't got the color of the skin and only the the color of the skin would get you through life but you will get through life if you've got and this is what she used to always tell us yeah how is london compared to Friedenhoop? Totally, totally different. London at the time was very, very, well, I thought very busy because, and all these different streets. Don't forget, I came from a place with just one street. Georgetown had all the streets all spread out. But London was, to, I absolutely loved London. I really did love London when I came. This the first thing I wrote back to my parents. I said, I think I'll live here forever. And look at me. <laughs> but I, I absolutely loved London and I, I loved the neighbourly London people as well. You know, they all seemed to accept me for what I was in my crazy days. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was it. I made quite a lot of friends. But most of my friends um, were not from Guyana, strange enough. But most of my friends that I made in London English I mean I wasn't the nightlife type of person 
once or twice I, I went to a club in in the in London in central London and it was okay but you know nothing that I would go to again <laughs> when I was little I had a nanny there was somebody who did the washing and there was somebody who did um, the cleaning of the house now I'd never done any of that so coming to England on my own it was a different story. I came to live with this lady who I think she was our nanny when we were little and she used to get very cross with me and say you have to do you ha you have to do your own breakfast. So the first time I put uh, an egg in the, in the kettle to boil and left it. So she wasn't very happy. <laughs> It said, you're not at home. You don't have servants. Why? <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> I don't. And here I am now doing my own cleaning and washing and cooking and everything else. And I never thought I would ever have to do it, but I, I did manage it. <laughs> Is there anything from Freedenhoop I really miss? I miss my mother's cooking because then I had to do the cooking and I didn't know how to cook and this lady I lived with she wasn't going to do it for me the one thing I missed about what I missed about Freedom Hoop was climbing trees I absolutely loved climbing trees and we had lots of trees in our yard to climb even <laughs> if I fell a few times I still climbed them <laughs> I really miss my dad a lot yeah and when he died, I couldn't even go to the funeral. I remember I didn't go to school on that day when I got the message, but I couldn't go to his funeral. Uh, but when I went back to Guyana, I went to see where he was buried. Yeah. Have I experienced anything in London that made me regret coming here? Well, I didn't like the racism because at that time they had the teddy boys. And you you wouldn't know, but you knew they were around because when you walk, you could, they had a certain whistle, and they're warning each other that a black person is going by, uh, or going this way. Yeah, there's a certain whistle. There's a long whistle, and if you know if you're near them, because the whistle gets longer. Uh, but I've never been attacked. I have to say, I haven't been attacked, but I've been called Nick Nog. And I just laughed. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I had never heard that before. I just laughed when, the, you know, they sort of shout that. And I think... Uh... I met my husband. My husband came from Pakistan. And I met him at college. Um, we, first of all, had a son, <laughs> Simon. And then we got married, which my mother was not happy with, but... There you are. But I didn't realise that his parents had already engaged him to a cousin. And so eventually he went back to Pakistan and didn't come back. So I had to bring up the children on my own. I had three children to bring up on my own. Yeah. Don't even know if he's still alive or anything like that at all. No, his brother used to write to me, but then you know, saying that it should not have happened, but it did happen. And I was left 
to bring up children on my own. This is when the seriousness of studying to, to be a teacher started. I didn't, I didn't start to study then until in the 1960s. The first college I went to was Paddington, in Paddington, and I studied um, physics, chemistry, botany, zoology, and maths um, for A-level. When I was at college, uh, because I was doing science, biology, I had to um, go and do lots of things in the bush, around the bushes. And because I didn't, although I lived in England for such a long time, I didn't know a lot of the bushes. So I was touching everything. And what was it that makes you handle nettles? <laughs> and I kept saying, and I mean, the girls were laughing so much. I said, what is this all over me? And they were saying nettles. I said, well, nettles what? I didn't know what they were. I know, but they were all laughing because I didn't know that there were nettles that I was going to touch to see if there were butterflies there or whatever I was looking for. I was doing science because my parents wanted me to be a doctor. So I thought, well, I'll do the science and then I'll change at any time. But I carried on. I quite enjoyed the science, actually. I trained as a teacher. I wanted to have my degree in teaching. The ceremony was at the Royal Albert Hall. So can you imagine? The Queen Mother presented ours. Yeah. She was so sweet. You know, she smiles at you and say, well done, well done. What do I do here these days? At the age of 85, I'm still teaching children for A-levels, GCSEs, when they first start school, I've got year four children, year eight children, year nine children, and they all seem to want to come in actual fact rather than being forced by their parents to come. I absolutely love my job. I love my job. I love it when the children come with, and they, they, they come with a smile and that puts a smile on my face. So it must be something bad I'm doing <laughs> to make them smile. <laughs> When I was teaching, I'd go up to the child who I know wouldn't put their hand up. And I used to say to them in the lowest voice ever, do you need some help? I can help you. Or I used to have a classroom assistant called Joyce. Do you want Joyce to sit with you? Because I used to tell Joyce what it is. And then Joyce would go and sit with that child. And Joyce is still in touch with me. And she would uh, go through with them the things that they don't understand if it's something that Joyce can't teach she'd come up to me and say I think that bit you might need to sit with them once you've done the lesson to that whole class you need to go around to see which child is struggling and this is what I I do I do it now I had a teacher who used to he was a young teacher and he was so excited about maths he used to explain it in such a way that you you had to like it that's probably why I like maths so much one boy came back to me, his parents were from Italy, and I didn't even remember him. He just graduated in university. And this tall boy knocked on my door. He said, oh, can I come in? I said, yes. He said, you probably can't remember what you taught me. And I, I sort of followed up your example and did so well that uh, I've just graduated and I wanted to come to say thank you. And I thought that was really sweet. And I said, oh, did your mum send you? He said, no, my mum's in Italy just now. He wanted to come. 
And he said, my older brother wants to do the same. <laughs> I used to write poetry. And I didn't realize that one of the kids, she entered me for this competition in America. The next thing I, I knew, I was in America reading this poem, Secrets of the Mountain. The next thing I knew, I had copies of books sent to me. I haven't sold any of them. I just gave them away. So if you'd like a book, you could have one. <laughs> Has London changed me? No. I tell you why it hasn't changed me. And, and in fact, some of the times when I didn't have anything to eat, I didn't eat. There are times when I didn't have money to get on the bus. When I worked in Finchley, but I lived in Barnet. So I was walking home with this, I don't know if you see the bags that teachers have got to carry with this bag on my shoulder. And from under a car came a few, I think it was 10 pounds or 20 pound notes. And no, you think I would take it? No, I sort of picked it up and then I turned back and went to the nearest police station and said, this came from under a car. And I told them where the car, the police said, what are you doing? So I said, well, I don't know where it it came from. He said, from under a car. So that means it's yours. Take it. So, and I thought, but it's not mine though, because it's from somebody else's car. They must have dropped it. He said, no, I don't want to hear the rest of the story. So when I went home that day, I'd bought a, a big meal and the kid said, no, this meal come from? I said, the money I found under the car. And Simon said the same. Didn't you take it to the police station? And I said, well, he said that I had to take it, which I did. <laughs> I've been to the shop um, and, you know, like somebody would be standing out looking really hard done by. And I get and people say, don't get caught like that. And I thought, well, I can't go past. You could just see. Yeah. What's good about the city, the thing that I love more than anything else, because when I, when I first came, I didn't know a lot of people. I like the way I was allowed to get on with my life without too many people getting involved. Because in Guyana, you whoever you called auntie and uncle and everybody got involved in your life and nobody did. I like that. What isn't good about the city? I think at the moment what we've got is the youngsters who are growing up disrespectful of each other. It's all this killing that's going on in London, which I, I don't think I could remember seeing so much youngsters carrying knives and killing each other. That's the thing. I feel that they need something to keep them um, busy. Because how is it I brought up kids on their own, on my own, and they've not thought of, of killing anybody or fighting anybody? What do I like doing in London? Going to the museums. I love going to the museums. That's what I used to do mostly, um, you know, the sort of British Museum. And even now when I go, I still go to the Science Museum to see if there's anything new around. And I haven't been for a long time. 
Um, so that's what I absolutely love going, going to the museums. Do I have a favourite thing to do or see in the city? I love driving around London. And I tell you, the streets of London are the most beautiful at night time. All through all the streets of London, seeing the London, um, the wheel, and all through South London, it's so beautiful. And the lights on this, the lights are really lovely, which they didn't have in Breedenhoek where I came from. There were no lights on the street at that time anyway. Uh, they probably have got them now, but they didn't have them at that time. They had lights in Georgetown, but not the sort of lights that you see driving through London. It's really lovely. Yeah. Is there anything about the city I miss when I'm not here? Sometimes the food, believe it or not. I like good, proper English food. <laughs> yeah, I like fish and chips. I like a roast, roast dinner. I absolutely love. Do you know, I went back to um, Guyana. It was totally different, I thought. Georgetown got a bit more busy, I thought. I thought the streets were really loud. I couldn't remember it being that loud and more busy. Freedom who didn't change that much, except there was a, a bridge across the river on the West Bank side, and I live on the West Coast, so you had to go on this bridge and then drive along this long road and turn left. It was still the same one road. But when I'm when I'm away from London, I, I do... I do miss my home, although look at it, it's got things everywhere, but I miss my home, I miss the kids. I am a proper Londoner now, yeah. Because when we went back and I noticed it going to a shop and I said something to this lady and she said, oh, where did you come from, London? Lovely way to speak. And I thought, no, I came from here, I was born here. <laughs> Lost my accent. So I don't know how strong it was when I first arrived. When I was there with my brother and his wife, I did try to copy them. But I don't think it worked that well. <laughs> Where can I get the best Guyanese food in London? There's what they call a West Indian restaurant, but when I've been there, it's not been the food that I know as Guyanese food, so I don't know of any. The one Guyanese thing that I keep up every Christmas time that the kids like is something called garlic pork. I get my butchers, my butcher I've been going to for years. He's moved from here to God knows where and I still find him. And I say to him, this is the time for my pork. And he he's cuts up. There's no bones in it. And you put all the seasonings that you like and then you cut up fresh garlic and mix it all in. And then you pour vinegar on it to cover the meat. And you leave it covered for um, like four or five days before you're ready to eat it. You have it for breakfast, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, and all you do is you take it out, like you, you use one of those spoons that... You put it in a pan with the hot oil and you leave it covered. You've got to leave the it quite low because, first of all, it steams up with all the liquid in it and then it, it cooks down 
and it's so soft and lovely and you have it with bread. It is tasty. And I usually have it with, you know, the holler bread. It's the like the Jewish bread. My mum used to make her own loaf. It's like a loaf of bread. And this is called C-H-O-L-L-A-H. It's probably holler or collar or whatever it is. But it's a Jewish bread. But I, you can get that from Sainsbury's. And it's so lovely. I'm mayor for the day. What will I change? First of all, I make sure going into the schools and make sure that the teachers who are there are really, really qualified to be there to teach children. That was one thing I would change completely. Um, I'd also change the prices of some of the food that are necessary, some of the necessary food is so expensive that people can't even get those if you just fancy vegetables. It, they're so expensive that you can't get that. So I changed the price of that and the price of traveling around. Some people have got to travel for work and it's so expensive to travel to work. So they're the things that I would change mainly. I'd ensure that everyone has got a decent home to live in. I really would. Um, because there are people still sleeping on the streets and it shouldn't happen in the 21st century. It should not happen. Yeah. And that's it for this episode of I Came to London. Join us again next time for more stories from the people who make London. London.